Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Tales to Terrify, part of the District of Wonders network. Featuring Starship Sofa and Far-Fetched Fables, everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good evening, children of the night. Well, the District of Wonders has a bit of sad news. Far-Fetched Fables is closing down. We're hoping that it'll shape up to be a temporary hiatus for the show. Nicola Seton Clark is moving on to bigger and better things. Of course, we wish Nicola well on all future endeavors. On the horror front, I've picked up a copy of Lauren Bucus's Broken Monsters, and I'm loving it. A quick passage. And even though he doesn't sleep, he has dreams. Crazy dreams. Sometimes while he's driving, his brain summons shapes up out of the darkness. 
like tonight. He drove through a pile of wet leaves, and it was like a mush of crows, all rotten feathers and pointy beaks. I'm less than a quarter of the way through it, and the story hasn't started to coalesce yet. I'm really enjoying it. We heard from Lauren in episode 225, and I'm happy to be reading something a bit longer from her. Check it out. If the rest of the book is like the first handful of chapters, I think we'll both like it. Our story for the night comes to us from another Tales to Terrify alumni, Zach Chapman, who, if memory serves me correctly, we heard from last in episode 288 with his story Dagon in the West, or Not West Enough. Zach is an editor, author, and gamer. His fiction has appeared in numerous anthologies and podcasts, such as Starship Sofa and right here at Tales to Terrify. In 2016, he edited the anthology Time Travel Tales, which included stories by Catherine Wells, Sean Williams, and Robert Silverberg. Like Robert E. Howard and Joe R. Lansdale, Zach grew up in rural Texas and loves writing pulp. He lives in Austin with his librarian wife, a cat, and a lazy-eyed rescue dog named Dingo. You can find him on Twitter at ChappyZach, on the book at facebook.com slash ch4ppy, or check out his publications on his website, chappyfiction.com. Links will be in the show notes. Children of the Night, lend me your ears for Zach Chapman's Sea Wolves and the Endless Ship, a Tales to Terrify original. The Sea Wolves had boarded many ships in the time since Lynn became a reluctant crew member, but none like this. It floated adrift in the Stygian Sea, its sails flapping in the ocean breeze, bleached by the salt and sun, worn to rags. It was the size of a modest trading galley, but shaped unlike any ship Lynn had seen, narrow and sleek, like a sabre. Lynn gripped her sword as the boarding boat neared the galley. Four months ago, her ship had been captured by Yeth and her pirates. Lynn was one of the few survivors. And the only that could prove her worth with a sword. Presently, she led the first boarding party for the strange ship. Lynn and the party vaulted over the railing and onto the deck, their swords raised, hungry for violence but the sea-wolves met no opposition. The till stood at the quarter-deck, spinning, restless and lonely. The deck was eerily silent. It didn't creak as the ship swayed with the ocean's ebb. The skin on the back of Lynn's neck tightened. Moments later, more pirates flooded the deck. Their battle adrenaline drained into irritation after finding the ship abandoned. Reva. Yeth's second mate, waved her hand over her head. Plump rings gleamed on every finger, each a different colour. She said, The compartments are sealed from the inside. They seen us from afar? One woman asked. Are the cowards holed up in their quarters? I don't think so, Lynn said. We'll find out, Yeth said pushing past her girls towards the compartment door. Yeth was over a head taller than Lynn. She dressed modestly, considering she was a captain of a pirate ship. 
A yellow bandana covered her shaved head. She wore a short hobbajon. Threadbare pants were visible through holes in her kinked chainmail leggings. She drew a plain sabre from a sash at her waist. When she raised it above her head, the blade hummed to life. Yeth brought it down on the door. Purple flames sparked as the blade slid through metal. Lynn had seen the blade cut through armour and flesh with surprising ease many times. Yeth kicked the door in, and her seawolves crowded the gaping hole, swords ready. Come out, you dogs! Reaver shouted into the darkness. The seawolves are apprehending your ship! The pirates strained their ears, but no response came. A gull squawk broke the silence. Which of you ladies are brave enough to join me down in the quarters? Yeth asked. A few pirates shifted their feet. Lynn stepped forward. Are the rest of you cowards? Reaver demanded. When no one moved, Reaver shoved the two nearest pirates through the doorway. Lynn and Yeth followed. They felt around in the dark until their eyes adjusted. Thermaturgic torches lit the narrow passage. The normal groans of a ship afloat were absent. No stench of unwashed bodies and spoiled bread. It was all too sterile. This ship feels entirely abandoned, Lynn said. Is that disappointment I hear in your voice? Yeth asked. You were hoping for an ambush. An easy moment to slip a dagger in my back while we're cornered by whatever is hiding on this ship. Captain, no disappointment, just uneasiness. Don't fear a dagger in your back from me. I will look you in the eyes when I kill you. That I promise. Captain, Reaver said, let me cut this mutineer's tongue out. Reaver, licking Yeth's boots will not save you after I pry that fancy sword from her dead fingers. The captain laughed. Since capturing Lynn, Yeth had grown accustomed to Lynn's constant threats of revenge and Reaver's overbearing sense of protection. It amused her, but just then it was a distraction. Enough bickering, ladies. Indeed, this ship seems abandoned and curiously without rotting corpses, so it's no sea plague. It's as if her crew deliberately deserted her, recently too. These torches still glow with dying magic. And I can tell Ascalante and his pirate crew didn't do this. At the very least, they'd have taken the torches. Even with the little essence they hold, they'd be worth selling in land. Then what is it? Lynn asked. A curse? Reva barked a laugh. No such thing, Yeth said. Let's get some real torches down here and get the place mapped out. The layout is unlike any ship I've stepped foot on. As they turned to leave, a sudden violent tremor shook the ship, followed by a loud crash and screams from the crew above. Lynn and Yeth were the first onto the deck. They arrived just in time to see pieces of the Black Queen hurtling through the air in a spray of blue mist. Lynn rushed to the bow for a better look. 
a fine rain of salt water wet her brow. Where Yeth's ship had anchored, only scattered pieces of timber and foresail remained. Behind her, a sea wolf shouted, Captain, this ship opened fire on the Black Queen. One shot and she obliterated our entire role. It wasn't natural. There must be crew manning it from inside, said another. But no one's inside the quarters. This ship is cursed, said one of the girls, who'd scouted the inside with Lynn and the others. Lynn's senseless talk of curses has caught on, Reva said. We shall cut out her tongue. Shut up, Yeth commanded. Girls, don't just stand there arguing. Get out there and search the wreckage for survivors. Lynn pulled off her rusty hauberk, sword and belt, sprung onto the railing and dove off. Splinters and blood filled the water, but there was no scent of sulphur, no lingering smoke. The ocean had a strange, buzzing quality about it. Bodies floated limply, a few splashed about, injured and gasping for air. Lynn grabbed the nearest drowning sea wolf by the waist and swam her over to a floating stave. She wasn't the best swimmer, but she managed to hoist the bleeding girl onto the plank. Above, on the deck of the remaining ship, Reva threw over a rope. By the time Lynn had secured the injured girl, more crew had dove off the ship to join the rescue attempt. It took the better part of the afternoon to save what was left of the sea wolves and their pirated booty. Six severely injured pirates, a third of the smoked meat rations, an undamaged barrel of Stygian silks and glasswork, the ship's cat, and the splintered remains of the ornamental wolf's head that had served as the Black Queen's masthead. As for the coin, all of it had been swallowed by the sea. When Lynn finally returned to the ship's deck, every muscle in her body burned. Her hands were pruned and raw from tying ropes. Lynn took a moment to catch her breath. The injured seawolves lay on deck, groaning as they were tended to. A group of seawolves worked on patching the worn sail. A shadow stretched over Lynn. Get on your feet, Reva said. Captain wants you in her quarters. Grab your sword and armour. You'll need it. Lynn gritted her teeth, but did as she was told before following Reva inside. The interior of the ship was now lit with torches. Silence lay steadily against corridors that seemed wider than possible on a trader galley. The floor was made of a material far less firm than wood. Reva turned a corner into a small room. We've secured the captain's quarters for now. Rays of red light cast by the setting sun leaked in through a line of open portholes. Yeth stood over a desk. She studied a half-curled scrap of drying parchment. Black ink bled where the paper had been soaked by salt water. But Lynn could just make out what looked like the sketch of a map. Yeth cursed putting down the quill. She looked up from the paper. Lynn, good, the captain said. I need you to find whoever fired on us and bring them to me. I'll have them answer for what they've done. Secondly, we have no choice 
but to sail this ship until we can capture another. We'll need rations. And this ship must have something stored. Find the storerooms and map out the ship. The layout is strange. Odd corners and empty cabins at every turn. Stay on guard. Two seawolves still haven't returned after I sent them below decks. In the meantime, I have a team repairing the sails. I'm telling you, Captain, Reva said. If Lynn finds the dogs that fired on her, she'll ask to join them. Let me save you the trouble and cut... Cut out my tongue, Lynn finished. You've already said that twice today. Stop! Yeth violently gestured, and Lynn noticed that the captain's hand was bandaged. Blood soaked the cloth and ran down her wrist. Captain, Reva said. What happened? Something sharp from the till sliced my palm when I grabbed it. I don't know. Maybe a splinter. It's nothing. A splinter did that? Lynn asked. Doesn't matter, Yeth said. Go, get to work. Lynn was lost. The orange light of her torch lit the way as she entered every cabin and opened every porthole she passed, letting in the moonlight. She'd been at it for hours, but had found nothing. The inner decks seemed to stretch on into eternity. She felt like an insect swallowed by a whale, poking around its gut, searching for a way out. The constant sense of being watched burned in the space between Lynn's shoulders. But she knew if she were to turn around, only darkness would be glaring back. And yet, a sound like a light footfall sighed behind her. She pirouetted, fanning the torch forward and drawing her blade. A figure trembled in the dim light. It moaned and raised an arm defensively. Lynn lowered her sword. It was Merigold. She must have been one of the sea wolves that Yeth had sent down earlier. Drying blood caked half her scalp. One of her eyes was swollen shut. The other was wide, almost feral. I found you, Merigold whispered. What do you mean, you found me? Lynn said. Oh, you didn't return. The captain sent me down. That was hours ago. Did you not hear her and Reva calling for you? No, Lynn paused. I was lost. I didn't hear anything. Hard to believe it's been hours. What happened to you? You'll need to bandage that, lest it fester. Oh, this? Merigold touched the wound on the side of her head, as if she just now remembered it was there. Did you run into the crew that shot the Black Queen? Lynn asked. No. The first team Captain Yeth sent down, the one she sent after you, they attacked me. They were waiting in the ration cabin behind a barrel of salted fish. They would have beaten me to death, but I put a torch out in one of their faces and escaped. I was just feeling my way up through the darkness when I found you. Why did they attack you? I don't know. They must have seen I was a sea wolf. They were mad. I cried out. They still attacked. You're sure they were sea wolves? Marigold nodded. The good thing is, you found the ration room. 
Do you think you could lead me there? Lynn deftly twirled her sword. I can deal with whoever attacked you. I would rather return to the top deck. We don't want to go back empty-handed. After a minute of cajoling, Merigold reluctantly agreed. As they walked, Lynn realised just how tired she was. Before they arrived at the ration cabin, Lynn could smell burnt hair. She entered, cautious, sword raised, but found only barrels full of dried meat. A sea-wolf lay on the floor, face down. That's her, Marigold whispered. Her breath was visible. It was much cooler inside the cabin. The one who attacked me. Lynn rolled the limp body over. She was dead. Definitely a sea-wolf. Her eyes had been burnt out of her skull. Lynn cursed. As they rolled the large barrel through the corridors, dawn light spread through the open portholes. The ship seemed smaller. The corridors didn't stretch like they had in the darkness. They were on the upper deck within the hour. The seawolves were rigging the fixed sail to the mast. Yeth stood at the till, directing them, her bandana twisting in the ocean breeze. The wound on her hand had darkened. Charcoal veins crept up her arm. Yeth cleared her throat as Lynn approached. You're alive. You were gone all night. Time is strange down there. And the ship seems much larger than it is. What is that you brought with you? Food. Well done. Yeth stepped away from the till. The seawolves have worked up an appetite. Is there more? Yes. And there's a dead body down there, too. One of ours. I'll do my best to trace our steps back, but the ship plays tricks on us. Yeth sent Lynn down with Reva, Merigold and a few others, to take stock and haul up a few more barrels. This time, Lynn had no problem finding her way through the ship. She wondered if it was possible that the ship only betrayed them at night. But then, what of the initial cannon shot that obliterated the Black Queen? That had been during the day. After the ration stock had been inventoried, Lynn slung a hammock on the outer deck. Above her, the sea wolves sweated as they finished rigging the sails. She didn't ask for permission before falling asleep. Lynn awoke to Reva kneeing her side. Lynn winced, swinging back and forth. She'd slept through the day. Get up, Reva looked down at Lynn. Captain wants the best swordsman for this, so I'm not sure why she's demanding I wake you. What is it? Lynn asked without leaving the hammock. We found a sealed room. I think it's where the ghost crew that attacked us has been hiding. I don't think the inside of this galley is safe while the moon's out. Get up or I'll start poking holes through this thing. Lynn rolled out of the hammock, just as Reva unsheathed her sword. This could be suicide. Lynn followed Reva into the ship and down three decks. Candles and torches lit every corner. But Reva still made two wrong turns before finding the sealed room. Yeth and four pirates stood in front of it. Merigold knelt a few feet away, clutching a crossbow. 
She smiled when she saw Lynn arrive. Her swollen eye had purpled. Lynn, up front. We've lost another two sea wolves since you started your catnap. But we found more provisions and an empty crew quarters. She pointed her humming sword at the metallic door. This must be the sealed cabin where the dogs are hiding. I can hear something on the other side. Lynn nodded. Are you ready to cut them down for sinking my ship? Lynn nodded again. Her legs braced far apart. Blazing eyes locked on the door, one hand clutching her sword. Yeth looked at the others. Everyone else? They all nodded. Yeth raised the humming blade high above her head and struck down with all her might. An awful howl of metal cutting metal pierced the air. Purple flames sparked. Merigold lifted her crossbow. Lynn shouldered the broken door and it caved in. Nothing but the rattle of paper stirred on the other side. The cabin was large and ornate, with rich tapestries and bright thermaturgic sconces on the panelled walls and deep rugs adorning the floor. A lone desk sat in the centre of the cabin. The cracked door had sent a gust of air through the untouched room, which tossed delicate papers from an ancient ledger, sending them fluttering about the room. No one? Yeth stammered. But, but, I heard voices. Yeth walked over to the ledger. She touched a page, and it disintegrated to powder. Lynn noticed the wound on her hand had worsened. The veins snaked further up her arm. Where are they? Yeth shouted to no one in particular. I can sense them. They're here. They destroyed my ship. We have to cut them down. Captain, Reva said, let's get you back to your quarters. You must rest, and your bandage needs to be redressed. Yeth was winded. The hum of her blade died. She swayed, but Lynn caught her under the arm. Reva nodded to Lynn, and together they helped Yeth out of the cabin. Over the course of the next few days, Lynn became convinced that no living creature could continue to exist sanely inside the ship for extended periods of time. Not even larks or catidids. The food barrels they'd inspected didn't contain a single weevil. Two more seawolves went missing, and Yeth's obsession with finding the hidden crew grew. She put more effort into searching for them than she did sailing back to port. She theorised that the ship was full of trapdoors and that the crew was taunting her through false walls. Lynn felt especially uneasy at night, so she continued sleeping on the upper deck under the moon. She wasn't the only one. Merigold and a few others refused to sleep in the crew quarters. Whispers spread of the ship being cursed, of phantoms and demons and archaic Stygian magic. Reva blamed the rumours on Lynn. On the eighth day of sailing on the strange ship, right before dusk, Reva approached Lynn. Captain summons you to her quarters, she paused. Lynn could see concern in her thick brow. Yeth hasn't been herself. I think she's ill with fever, but she hasn't allowed me close enough to her. 
Do you wish me to run a cold rag over her head? Reva's normal tone returned. On your feet! Belt your sabre! I don't know what she has planned for you! Lynn followed Reva back to the captain's cabin. Yeth stood over a crudely drawn map of the ship. Dozens of X marks were etched, erased, and scribbled over in nearly every cabin. Her eyes were bloodshot. The bandage on her hand was stained black, as if her blood no longer ran red. I'm getting close, Lynn, Yeth said. I think I've cornered them. Cornered who? The dogs that destroyed the Black Queen. There isn't anyone on the ship but us. You're wrong. Every night I hear them just inside the walls. Lynn turned to leave, but Reva put a hand out to stop her. Yes, said, We aren't sailing to port until I kill those dogs. You're going to help me. Go down and investigate every inch of the last two rooms. She pointed at the map. You'll find a trapdoor. I know it. Take Merigold with you. Fine. And if I find nothing? You'll find something. Reva led Lynn and Merigold deep into the ship's belly. Lynn recognised the corridor. It was the one from before. It led to the room with the ledger. Here it is, Reva said at the door. Search the room. Do it all night if you have to. I'm heading back to look after the captain. She's sick, Lynn said, becoming unfit to lead. Just do it, Reva turned and left. Cracked parchment paper littered the floor. It made soft crunching noises as Merigold stepped through it. Her bruised face had mostly healed. Her crossbow was slung across her back, not quite accessible enough for Lynn's comfort. So what do we do? Merigold asked. Do whatever you like. I'm going to smash every panel, so it looks like I did something. What about me? I can't break those things. Lynn didn't answer Merigold. She stalked to the corner, unsheathed her sword and hacked at a panel. She gradually became aware of papers loudly rustling. Desk drawers slid in and out. The sound of books and journals slamming on desks creaking open and snapping shut. Merigold whispered aloud as she read their contents. Lynn continued hacking until she was confident that the room contained no false panels. When she was finished, she felt a hand on her shoulder. Lynn, Merigold said, this ship is old. I know. No, I mean really, really old. I found Captain's logs dated from centuries ago. Fine. How old is it, then? Five hundred years, at least. Some of these logs look older, but I can't read them. They're written in different languages. They're all Captain's logs from the different captains of this ship throughout the years. All of these logs start off fine, but then they tell of crew gone missing or... Dying mysteriously or mutiny. Most of the men shortly after entries of the captain say in their ear in voices. So, it is a curse. I think so. We need to get off this ship or break it somehow. 
But how? Find this mystery crew Captain is talking about? No. None of the other captains ever found the voices they wrote of, right? I don't think it's a phantom crew that we're dealing with. I'm sure they're not in the walls. It must be the ship itself. This whole block of wood and metal is cursed. There's something else we need to find. This is the heart of the ship, no? Marigold nodded. Then let's start here, Lynn said. What are we looking for? We'll know when we see it. Lynn tore through the desk's drawers, but found nothing except bound ancient paper. Lynn scanned the walls, but saw nothing that appeared to be a false panel. Using her sword, she cut into the carpet and began peeling back. Merigold knelt down to help. In minutes, they had stripped half of the plush carpet. Next to the desk, under where the carpet had lay, was a trap door. Lynn pried it open. Something inside glowed faintly blue. Merigold looked to Lynn with wide eyes. Time to break a curse, Lynn said, and disappeared into the trap door. Inside the cavity, it was cool. The room seemed impossibly large. Odd luminescent vegetation grew on the walls, like barnacles from another world. At the centre of the room was a large, faintly glowing sphere, which hung by a thick tendon attached at the ceiling like a stalactite. What the hell is that? Marigold gasped. Haven't the slightest notion. He's evil. Yeah. Lynn raised her sword and brought it down with as much force as she could muster. A teeth-rattling clang echoed throughout the room. The blade panged off its side. The sphere remained unblemished. Lynn grabbed her wrist, cursing. Suddenly, a dizzy spell rocked Lynn. To her left, Marigold stumbled. A painful buzz blossomed inside her head. She fell to one knee. A voice pierced her head. Lynn of Golbez. Lynn looked for the voice's owner, but saw only Marigold rolling around, clutching her temple. Who is speaking? Lynn demanded. It is I, the vessel you write. Forcing away the pain, she held her sword ready. Come out, let me see you. I am right before you. This ugly orb? What kind of life form are you? Why do you drive the captains mad? There are many worlds beside this one, and life takes many shapes. Though I am not what most would deem living, neither am I a spirit or ghost. I am very old, O oh woman of the sea. Long ago? I crashed into this world. I witnessed shining empires grow, dwindle, and burn. Saw civilizations wax and wane. 
saw women rise and fall and rise again. All I could do was listen and watch, trapped like an immortal fly encased in amber. I needed your kind. So I evolved to influence them, infect them, pull their strings. I made them rebuild my parts, wreak sails, help me traverse your world. For my old means of travel had long dried up. Release us. We are not your puppets. No. I have learned that much too late. You are not puppets. As much as I infect the inhabitants of this world, they infect me. I integrate the captains I consume. I take something from each one. In a way, I am an amalgamation of them all. They live on through me. And Yeth will, too. Not if I kill you first. Lynn raised her sword and struck the sphere again. The blade bounced off it. Do not fear, Lynn. This is the way of things. You cannot change that. Defy me, and you will die. No ugly orb will kill me. Another voice filled her head. But I will. Lynn spun to see Yeth leaping into the room. Merigold turned, but it was too late. The humming blade had slid through her to its hilt. She made one quiet sigh, then went limp. Yeth's glowing white eyes locked on Lynn's as she pulled the sword from Merigold's body. No, Lynn said, rushing at the possessed captain. Lynn struck out, but Yeth's blade sheared Lynn's in half. She tossed the useless hilt and rolled past Yeth's deadly arc. If she could just get close enough to Merigold's crossbow. Lynn, now is your chance for revenge. It was Yeth's voice, but her mouth did not move. Many nights I've wished for revenge, just not like this. Lynn circled Yeth, making her way closer to Merigold's body. She kept her arms wide her hands open, biding her time like a wrestler. The captain's eyes pulsed with inhuman malevolence. Her arm looked as if it were dipped in oil. She slashed at Lynn's face. Lynn ducked. Strands of hair fell to the ground. It is a shame I will not integrate you, Lynn. This time, when the ship spoke, it spoke with the voice of a thousand captured ship captains. You are a master fighter, and it would be interesting to study such fury. But alas, I've almost completely integrated Yeth for this current cycle. I will not have the means to do it again for many years. Keep talking, Lynn said, as she dove for Merigold's crossbow. She grabbed it and fired it from her hip just as Yeth rushed her. The bolt struck Yeth's shoulder. Yeth paused, more out of surprise than pain. It was merely a flesh wound, and yet Yeth's eyes flickered. She seemed to notice her surroundings for the first time. The ship's spell on her was temporarily broken. The blade, Lynn said. Drop the blade! 
No! screamed the ship with its thousand voices. Lynn winced. The scream was like a physical blow. Yeth looked from her infected arm to Lynn, then seemed to understand. The blade stopped humming. The captain nodded and dropped the sword. Lynn dove for it, just as the ship's hold on Yeth returned. Lynn grabbed the blade. On cue it hummed to life, singing through the air. Lynn thrust it straight through the captain, pinning her against the giant sphere. Black fluid gushed out of the sphere, spraying like a slit artery. A thousand screams of agony filled her mind. Then silence. Lynn pulled the blade from Yeth, who slumped to the side, dead. Black blood continued to ooze out of the gash in the sphere. The voices were gone. The oppressive uneasiness that permeated every corridor and cabin on the ship had dissipated. Lynn breathed deeply. She sat for a long time, all quiet but for the hum of her blade and the creak of the ship. Reva stood in the corridor, five sea wolves at her back. Lynn had just climbed out of the trap door. Reva was about to speak when she noticed the blood covering Lynn and the blade at her hip. There are two dead down there, Lynn commanded, pointing at the trap door. Drag them up. The sea wolves looked to Reva, then to Lynn. Reva did not challenge the order. Two seawolves vanished down the trapdoor. Reva, Lynn said, up to topside. We're setting sail for port. That was Zach Chapman's Seawolves in the Endless Ship, A Tales to Terrify original, as read by Margaret Essex from Australia. That will be our show for the evening, Children of the Night. Visit our Patreon page in the links below, and don't forget to like us on Apple Podcasts. Our show is produced by our editors Scott Silk, Seth Williams, and Drew Sebastini. Website designed by Josh Lightsey, and theme music by Diane Severson. Tales to Terrify is distributed under Creative Commons Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives 4.0 License. Join us again next week for another episode of Tales to Terrify. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network. Dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening.
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.